Welcome everyone to the Dismissed Podcast, where we try to dismiss each other's points, uh, and it's just a bunch of nerds who love to debate. I've got Claudia, as well as myself, Samrat, and today asking the questions is going to be Sophia. Hi, Sophia. Hi. (laughs) Hey, Claudia, how are you doing? Pretty good. All right. So today's topic, um, do you have a tree nut allergy, Claudia? I don't have a tree nut allergy. Good, because I'm about to blow your mind. See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Boo. But anyway, um, today we're talking about the show, the hit show on Amazon Prime, The Boys, season one and two, and answering questions that we think are pretty, pretty uh, debatable and, and, you know, will make you think about things mainly themes motifs and stuff like that but neither of us as usual know the other the other person's question so it is somewhat of a surprise to us and we do have to come up with it on the spot but the goal of the game is to dismiss each other's arguments and or build on them without trying to do what ifs or imaginary speculation we are simply basing it on the evidence that we have at hand Are you ready, Claudia? Right. But before we start, I just want to say that there is going to be a blanket spoiler warning in effect for season two of The Boys and a blanket trigger warning for topics including white supremacy, abuse, incest, um, and all the other fucked up shit that comes along with The Boys. If if you're not familiar with the show, it's a satire on... The Marvel Cinematic Universe, the um, the DC Extended Universe, the comic books, uh, as it's the comic itself. And so, yes, it is very gruesome. Yes. All right, let's do this. What's our first question? Okay, your first question <laughs> is from Claudia. The Boys is the most effective satire that I've ever seen and most closely aligned with the original definition of satire. Well, that was not a question. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thesis statement. (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. How about you answer your statement? All right. So satire was originally conceived by, I believe, a French political essayist who, upon reading some of the policies that the rich bourgeoisie class had put into effect, decided to write an essay about how if the French were so comfortable disregarding the lives of the poor, they should go ahead and eat babies. Um, Now, the point of this essay was to take their behavior, which was callous regard for human life, and take it to the next logical extreme. He is following a train of thought, that thought being the rich French don't care about people, and taking it to as crazy as it can fucking possibly go. Now, that's what the boys does for superheroes. A lot of people struggle with the definition of satire, and when satire is brought up, they think more of Rick and Morty style, everything is crazy, we make fun of everything, but... The original purpose of satire was to point out the fallacies in someone's logic and behavior by taking it to the craziest possible extreme. Now, the boys does that in a sort of double-edged sword. First, it takes the concept of superheroes, these people who have immense power, and they say, what if these people who have more power than everyone else on the planet behaved like a human being in power might? What if they were racist? What if they were sexist? What if they were abusers? What if they were sociopaths? What if they were murderers? What if they were involved in some grand, horrible conspiracy? What if they were addicted to drugs, etc., etc.? The boys takes the concept of a person in power and follows that concept to the next logical conclusion. Well, What's the most powerful a person can be? A superhero. But also, it takes the concept of our systems of power 
and takes that to the next logical conclusion as well. Well, if our government is already comfortable, you know, uh, pouring all this money into defense spending, then why wouldn't they genetically engineer humans to go fight terrorists? You know, it's it works on very on a lot of varying levels. And I think I think the beautiful thing about the boys is that it's a satire on everything, as you said, the, the truest definition of it, everything. Meaning that it's not just about superheroes, which is obviously the fun part of it, but it's about society. It's about the government. It's about what I think is, is lacking in, in satire shows lately about the commercial aspect of it, the capitalism, the, the communism. Like It doesn't matter which form of economy you're, you're attacking. It is attacking everything. It, it's almost a South Parkian version of it because South Park's main thing is we don't make fun of anything unless we can make fun of everything. And I think much like South Park, the boys is also saying, we'll make fun of anything and otherwise it's not true to our form absolutely i think nothing is off limit with the boys as you can see the boys original comic had a character that was a parody of george bush that in the show is now a parody of alexandra asasio cortez because they're just applying this rapid fire extreme logic to everyone they feel comfortable taking everything to the highest possible extreme and I think it's really fun because every horrible, sadistic fucking behavior that a soup displays in the show, The Boys, is a logical through line to something that a superhero in, say, Marvel or DC could possibly have I done, also, you know? I also think that because of the audience that the boys is willing to reach out to whereas the marvel cinematic universe even prior to their association with disney um or the dc extended universe or or the comics do they the the boys knows that they are for a limited audience they're not trying to win over everyone as opposed to marvel they're looking at and and dc they're looking at the dollars they're saying i want kids to buy merchandise i want families to be able to enjoy the show i want women to feel like this is for them as well i want african americans like the boys get it the done. Boys, yeah exactly the boys know that they that they are for a limited audience and they don't care exactly they feel comfortable burning bridges in a way that yeah, disney really doesn't yeah, and they've openly criticized everything. They've opened, like, anyone associated with the show, I feel cannot, the, has to have the same views as the creators of the show, as well as the comic, in that satire is for everything or nothing. Exactly. The boys just kind of wants to burn it all down, which I love. All right. The next question is from Saman, which is, how powerful is compound So going into the actual book of the story of the boys now, I wanted to see your thought or hear your thoughts as well as see how far compound B can go. Obviously, the entire premise of the boys is going to be about compound B. I think they established that very early on in season one. However, how powerful is compound B? Does compound B give genetics a run for its money? Like, is it basically going to be that evolution is based on compound V? Is it going to be that you're going to see genetic modification because of compound V? Like, I'd really love to know, and this is kind of like throwing it out there to the, to the producers of The Boys and saying, I'm looking forward to season three. I'm looking forward to season four or however long you, you last as to how powerful compound B is. Cause it, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I obviously have not read the comics, but 
the comics don't make Compound V as powerful as the show does. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, I think a lot about Compound V in particularly the cases of soup children. Um, we've obviously seen the children of soups in the show the most well, we, we've really only confirmed one child. We have confirmed which is one child, which is Ryan. But my point is that the rest soups- are more the rest are more naturally born humans that are injected with comfort. That's my point. My point is that we here mentioned other examples of soup children. For example, Translucent had a child who showed up in his funeral. Um Mesmer has a daughter whom he lost custody of, but neither of those children are ever introduced to the plot like they might be something important, which leads me to believe that human natural evolution is the dominant trait, that compound V isn't something that every child of every soup is just going to have. I think Ryan is very much an outlier, and also, I would hesitate to even say that he has not been injected with compound V, maybe in utero, the way um, Homelander was created himself, because we know that Becca Butcher went to Vought when she realized her pregnancy. Uh, So you believe Vought had something to do with this? I believe you can't count it out. Well, I don't know for sure, I do think that it's not a dominant genetic trait and would, in fact, be something much more rare because otherwise they would have to sterilize pretty much everyone they experimented on. And that's the sort of procedure that can't be performed on you when you're an infant before you can remember. Like, Annie would know. True, but at the same time, at the same time, in season one, you see Billy Butcher grab one of the kids and just assume that they have the same powers as Homelander, open its eyes, and then boom, heat vision comes out. Does that mean that that was Homelander's son like, or daughter? But at the same time, you, you're right. Translucence, children, um, if if Annie ever had a child, uh, you know, or any of any of the superheroes, if they, how do I say this? If they are able to pass down Compound V, how powerful is Compound V? I'd really be interested to explore that matter as the show goes further. And I hope the show does not make Compound V like the serum in Marvel Cinematic Universe where it's never mentioned again. Yeah, I think... Compound V does have its limits, obviously, because superheroes are, A, capable of dying, which seems like it wouldn't be the case if they all uniformly got the same abilities, like the Laser Baby and Homelander, because Kimiko can resurrect herself from the dead, and a fucking Nazi girl, Stormfront, basically has eternal youth. Uh, I think it very much varies, but I also think dosage is important. In the comics, Homelander is sort of unique, because not only was he created from the genetics of someone injected with Compound V, he was given both the largest and earliest dose. He was in utero, um, which are factors that contributed to him being the most powerful soup. So would you say that, would you say that uh, Homelander gets the benefit of a large powerful dosage and that's why Compound V affects him more than anyone else? I think it would make sense, especially considering he's the only soup we've seen pass Compound V on genetically. Okay, I will, I will accept that. But then, in that case, how come there are more than just his genetic line that have heat vision? 
That, I don't know. However, I will say that it's possible that the heat vision is associated with much stronger dosage. And because certain recently babies were being injected with compound V by someone who has much more uh, insider insight into its development, uh, Vought's wife, they might have been able to figure out a, a stronger, the correct dosage to produce more Homelanders. Okay, the next question is from Claudia. Do you think the grimdark revenge stories the boys parodies are more common now than when the boys comic came out? How do you think the boys takes and critiques the trope of brave women and men out for revenge makes it new? My point in this is that the boys came at a very interesting time in superhero media. We are getting a new Batman film with Robert Pattinson, which the trailer is, is very dark, very, I'm fucking vengeance. And we're getting all these stories recently about, even outside of superhero media, look at John Wick, about men whose girlfriends slash wives slash whatever get fucking murdered, and then they go on a crazy path of revenge. The boys... Even before this was like a huge booming trend, before the MCU, before the DCEU, the boys has been parodying that. I think in season two, it becomes much more obvious because season one really plays out sort of as affirming these tropes with Huey's loss of Robin being the main kickoff of the plot. But season two, you really start to see Butcher unravel a little bit and Becca encourages forgiveness in him in a way that's unusual for those sorts of narratives. Did it, did it not mirror uh, did it not mirror Batman Begins though or Batman Dark Knight? It did, yes. So why would you say that it's something unique? I wouldn't say that it's something unique per se. I'd say it was something unusual. I think that the boys is sort of very currently very um, topical in that I feel like dead woman revenge stories are everywhere nowadays. And the boys feel so, so refreshing because in the comics, Becca Butcher is dead. Becca Butcher dies. Yeah, so she is in the show as well. well. Okay. What I mean to say is, in the comics, Becca Butcher died giving birth to Ryan. Gotcha. Yeah. The, I, do, I do know that both the show and the comics have that in comic that Ryan is the cause of Becca Butcher's death, whether he wanted it mm -hmm. or not. But at the same time, at the same time, the show has clearly marked itself as a different, as a different uh, entity than the comics itself, or a different direction than the comics itself. We don't know what is going to be different from the comics and what's going to be the same. Obviously, they have to keep the characters, they have to keep the concept, but in terms of the minute details, such as black noir being black, as opposed to a copy yeah. of... Oh, or a clone of Homelander, etc. Right. So, so I don't want to, as I, as I said in the previous episode, I don't want to get into what is in the comics versus what is in the show. I want to keep the show, the show, and the comics. Well, what I'm saying is, I think the show really improved upon the comics. In the comics, they were attempting to critique the woman in the fridge trope. You know, the hero's wife is killed violently and he right. goes on a revenge quest while at the same time doing the exact same fucking thing whereas in the show right. we see becca butcher we see her agency she left billy specifically because she wanted to avoid this revenge quest and i want to know what you think that has 
what you think that indicates for Billy's character arc now that Becca is dead. Do you think that he so you're will saying now what will happen now? go and and be a better person and not let this hate consume him and not he he already I think has made marked improvement on on comics Billy Butcher in that he didn't kill Ryan. He handed him over like he was supposed to, like he promised. And I just think it's really interesting and honestly really needed. Okay. I believe that Ryan is not actually handled the way he should have been handled according to what Billy promises Becca. I feel that Becca really wanted Billy to be personally responsible for Ryan. That's true. And he, he, he's not going to raise that kid. That is very obvious. No, he's not. That's, yeah, that was obvious from the get-go. And that's why Becca doesn't leave with him in the, in the, in yeah. the first place. Even though he says, yeah, bring Ryan along. No, he, she, she was smart and she knew. And I thought that was refreshing. I definitely agree. Honestly. I'm really excited about Becca's arc in season two. Because even though she does end up in the same place that comics Becca does, which is, you know, dead by her own child of rape, uh, she gets to make a couple of pivotal decisions that show that she's a person. She's not just... Billy Butcher's tragic backstory and the thing that's holding Billy Butcher right. back from being a crazy serial killer. Why is Stormfront's backstory not fully explored? And that question is from Stormfront, obviously. So, so I feel that Stormfront, what do you mean obviously? From going back and forth? <laughs> I feel that Stormfront's backstory was not fully explored and, and I'm a little confused as to why if she is intended to be season two's main villain. That must mean, in my opinion, I'm not going to speculate, but that must mean that season three and season four, or however long the show goes, Stormfront plays a part, and her backstory has to play a part. I mean, obviously, she's the yeah, wife of Stormfront Locke, lives. So, so, yeah. So, uh, yes, exactly. Hashtag Stormfront lives. Um, which is confirmed by Homelander's final comments that she is in captive. Uh, she is still captive uh, of of the seven uh, of this. She is a captive of the seven and bot. But I'm I'm curious because what makes her go from Liberty to Stormfront? What makes her go from Nazi to wife of Vought? When does she get her powers? When does she go from, why does she become Liberty in the first place? Like you would think based on Stormfront's personality and, and her background, she would want nothing to do with Liberty or the name or the, the colors of America or, or anything similar to Homelander or Soldier Boy yeah. in, that, in that case. So, so why, why Stormfront? Why Liberty? Why is she part of what? How does she get the powers? Like, it was great that they explored that she had this connection with her daughter and, and all this stuff, but I was still left with more questions upon her being fried by Ryan than, like, a resolution. Oh, definitely. And I think the bringing in of Soldier Boy in season three means we're going to be getting a lot more flashbacks to that era anyways. And hopefully we're going to get to see more of Stormfront. I fully believe that Stormfront is alive, not just because, you know, she was the wife of Vought, so she clearly got a lot of power from him. Like, even though it was an early test, I do believe that Vought would have done everything in his power to give Stormfront the most power, the, the greatest abilities that he could have. And... The other thing is, how is she able to fly under the radar so well? Like, how does she become a basically millennial upon her reappearance? Like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. When she calls Homelander Gramps, it's like, you're the <laughs> yeah. old one. Get with the, like, you, you're the one that got with the time. I get it. But at the same time, you're the old one, not Homelander here. So 
like it does it just doesn't make sense it it just seems like all of a sudden there was a switch that was turned on or off and she all of a sudden became i'm a former nazi former liberty you know superhero stormfront is a very manipulative chameleon and i think basically the baseline is that she will do anything for power and that requires reinventing herself to what is most popular at the time but how is she able to fly under the exactly and i think i think vaught is assisting her in establishing new identities but you have to remember that in the show, unlike in the comics, Vought is not an American company. It is an international company. So it is entirely possible that this woman, who has existed mostly before the age of the internet, is just picking up and moving to a new country every 10 years or so once they start to realize that she's not aging. But I think you're blending the comics and the show again. I think you're constantly blending the comics and the show again. If... Vought is an American company in the show. Let's talk about it being an American company in the show. No, it's an international company in the show. Okay, because I was actually going to say, wait a minute, isn't it an an international company? So, okay. So, okay, if it's an international company in the show, let's leave it as an international company in the show. But I don't, I I refuse to believe that she would be able to fly under the radar by herself. That's the thing. It's not by herself, is it? She has a multi-billion dollar conglomerate dedicated to hiding her origins and hiding the origins of their company as Nazi affiliated because she's the wife of If that's the case though if that's the case though I re- I refuse to believe that Vought would ever back Homelander the number one guy I mean yeah it is confusing as to why they would back Homelander as opposed to Stormfront if she, you know, if they were so fully dedicated to to clearing her image. But at the same time, I think Homelander might be more powerful than Stormfront. And it also... I won't, I won't egg you on there because I do have a thought okay. about that. But, but, and which okay. I'll bring up later. However, however... If you if you can't if you can't justify as a company if you're bought if you can't justify putting your resources behind somebody and helping them cover up their story for so long just to have them reemerge I mean it makes sense as to why she was brought into the seven now uh, without Homelander's console but. It just doesn't make sense to me why you would pitch your number one guy as Homelander as opposed to Stormfront. Maybe from it's the an issue with gender. Maybe in the 50s or whatever, it was polling that people wanted male superheroes. Yeah, but we're talking about the present day. And at the present day, it yeah. wouldn't have Girls get it done. You could, <laughs> exactly. And in the present day, you, you could have you still backed Stormfront as yeah, your Yeah, well, I kind of think that maybe... They were planning on... Especially when Homelander yeah. is slipping away. He lost point. I fully think that maybe they were planning on edging Homelander out and replacing him with Stormfront. Who knows what they were planning, and I don't want to s- speculate again, but why why not explore into Stormfront's backstory? That's That's my biggest issue. You had plenty of time to do it. And I think the episodes kind of got slow, mushy and slow towards the end of the season until episode eight, simply because you don't go, you had time to go into, you you had a whole freaking road trip to go over it. It was, it was too easy of a reveal in my opinion that Stormfront is the previous. Yeah. You wanted more. uh, Yeah. More build up. I hope we'll get more Stormfront backstory uh, in season three. Uh, the next one is from Claudia Homelander's Origins Possible themes and Analysis of What Makes Homelander Homelander, including the Stormfront theory. Okay. Go for it. Um, 
<laughs> I like how you've just sort of primed me to drop this bomb. No, uh, I think that Stormlander <coughs> is Stormlander. I'm a fucking Stormlander. Speak. I think. Oh. Are you are yeah. you coupling no, their name? What, that, they're like Brangelina Stormlander. Uh, I think Stormfront is Homelander's biological mother. And I I have a couple of arguments for why I think this might be true. Question. I have so many many questions right now for you. One of them be, would you like to be escorted to the nearest mental facility? Um, (laughs) I hear the women is open. Okay, but I do have some justification. Now, I'm going to go out for the baseline and say, I don't think that Stormfront, I don't think it was a natural childbirth by any means. I fully believe that Stormfront volunteered her DNA and her uterus to produce some super Aryan babies because that's what she wants. She even comments explicitly that she thinks Homelander is the ideal person to receive superpowers. And it makes sense since she's been around so long, which again, we just talked about, they, they had her on hand for a long time. It makes sense that she would want to be. Are you comparing yes. Bot to Hydra? Hail Hydra. It makes okay. sense that she would want to be involved in the creation of Vought's biggest asset. And like it or not, their biggest asset is. So you, you feel that she's. This is one of my questions. Do you feel that she's knowingly the biological mother of Homelander? Yes. I think she knows. Okay. Keep going. I think she knows. And she is using it to psychologically twist and break Homelander even more. Because at the beginning of the season, you really see that her and Homelander are rivals. It seems like she wants to unseat him. It seems like they don't like each other. And then bam, it switches to them having sex. It very much seems like a calculated move on her part. And considering Homelander's astronomical mommy issues, what better way to literally destroy his brain? So let me add another wrench in there. Madeline Stillwell created Madeline Homelander. Stillwell did create Homelander, but we don't know. Exactly. No, literally. You think Madeline Stillwell is Homelander's mother? It, yes. That's interesting. That's very interesting. So that's what I thought originally. That's what I thought originally when I was watching season one, is that he has that mommy issue because that's his literal That's a really interesting theory. However... Obviously, he doesn't know it, but whether she knows it, I have no idea. But I I find that more plausible than Stormfront being the biological mother of Homelander. I feel that, yes, she probably had a say in it but i feel like she would have more knowledge of the fact that she is the biological <laughs> okay. mother uh, i see where you're coming from whereas madeline stillwell would where not you're coming from however and what i'm gonna say is going to annoy you a little bit but in the comics homelander was created from stormfront's dna now they switched stormfront's gender because they want to show Homelander being driven over the edge by women with women because that's consistently what drives Homelander out of his fucking mind it's what led the boys to even be created in the first place because he's a creep towards women I feel like you need a banner I feel like you need a banner in front of you right now that says stop mixing the comics in the the show however I will say that Homelander's whole breast milk storyline is a creation of the show. And I feel like it's going somewhere. I feel like there's going to be a big payoff and a big reveal 
I feel like that's why that's why he drinks her milk. Is because what if that's he just his mom. Milk because he has such issues about not having had a mom. His weird psychosexual trauma is is being built up. And another thing, remember when we were discussing compound V and genetics? If Homelander had one biological parent who was also affected by compound V even before he was injected with it, it would make sense why he's markedly more powerful than the other soups. Because he's he's the genetically he's not genetically modified, but actually exactly. evolutionarily modified. Then. Okay. I still feel that it's a stretch given what we know from the show okay. so far that that Stormfront is the biological mother of again it's because we don't know the backstory we don't know what happened other than the fact Mm -hmm. that she married Mm -hmm. bot she became liberty she gave up liberty and then she came uh, back as stormfront that's all we know so until we know more that theory seems less plausible than madeline right now it doesn't seem like the most plausible theory but i also think it would I'd be love really to interesting this. and another i would love to revisit this yes. theory in the future is queen Maeve stronger than homelander <clears throat> making her the most powerful human being on the planet so when i came up with this theory i was basing it off my wishes for season one being disappointed and then finally and staying disappointed for most of season two until the end. Uh, Queen Why Maeve you? is my favorite character in the show. As little no, as little as I she shows Queen up Maeve. in the entire show. I mean, okay, okay, I should I should put that with a caveat. Starlight is my favorite ha. character in the show, but for other reasons. For shame, so <laughs> um, but going back, Queen 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 Maeve is my favorite character from the show, to be honest. Because of the struggle she goes through and the more realism that the character faces when it comes to the conflict that she goes through. Everything from the flight scene to her alcoholism to her being outed, her constant fear of Homelander, I feel, is psychological and not actual. If if they went head to head, I feel Queen May would win in a fight if she used her true potential powers. Um, even if Homelander was using all of his powers too, I think the only advantage Homelander has is that he has heat vision, and so it's kind of hard to stop heat vision unless you have like a shield or something. Or I guess indestructible <laughs> boobs as Stormfront I mean, to be says. Fair, she is a Wonder Woman <laughs> ripoff, so she might have a shield somewhere. Probably, but my point is, she's even stealthier than Black Noir. Yeah. If you notice from the show, she's stealthier than Black Noir. She can somewhat fly. She can uh, mm-hmm. run really fast. She can, probably not as fast as A-Train, but still, she can run really fast. She is extremely strong. The armored truck splits in half, basically. So I feel that, in all honesty, on paper, Queen Maeve is much more powerful. She just needs to realize So your argument, that's really interesting. I I feel like a lot of the show's season three arc is going to be Homelander just becoming completely fucking unhinged. And so on one hand, we'll see the full potential of his physical power, but on the other, we'll see the complete mental weakness that dictates him. And I really think Queen Maeve is going to become both physically stronger and also mentally through, you know... Elena and the support of Starlight and the boys. Right. Well, I don't mm. think Elena's going to come back. I think Elena's done. I think she, her chapter, 
her chapter in season two. Again, I can't speculate, but I think I think her chapter is done based on her final comments, where she doesn't blame Queen May for doing what she did. She yeah. just wished it didn't I happen. Mean, she wants yeah, no I can part of it. See, Elena. Because the entire season two is Queen Maeve cowering at the thought of Homelander. I feel that if she had a little bit more moxie like A-Train, then she could take him on. I mean, A-Train looks like a character that would want to take on Homelander, especially if he got pissed off enough. But he has a physical weakness. His compound B intake is yeah, getting same. he has a heart condition and she doesn't need she doesn't need things like you know blackmailing Homelander to defeat him she just doesn't realize it her fear is internal not you know, actual I think truth. that's really compelling and it would be a really interesting arc to see the effects of that Homelander's almost gaslighting her rather than actually being more powerful I would love to see her sort of throw that off and kick his ass. And I think we see that at the very end when she does blackmail and then Starlight, which thank right. God she changes her uniform again. I hated Oh, God. I hated that uniform. Uh, so I'm glad she's back to her old uniform. When, when the two of them are standing behind Homelander and Homelander is basically weak, I think, I think he's, he thinks he has power, especially when he's Ugh. masturbating on top of the city. But, but, but to be honest, that weakness that he showed seems like a man who's afraid you of know? Queen May. Um, uh, we see Black Noir is no longer true to the comics and therefore he cannot be the no, Vought fail think anymore. So I That's think honestly it's Queen May. I think that the Vought failsafe <laughs> sent to come in and kill Homelander once he gets out of order, which he's definitely going to get out of order in season three, is actually going to be Soldier Boy. However, if it was Queen Maeve, I would be happy. I would be very happy. So without trying to speculate on what the show will do with Soldier Boy, I feel that Soldier Boy will actually have nothing to do with Bot's fail-safe plan. And I feel that the way that they're presenting Soldier Boy is Soldier Boy is going to challenge, much like Stormfront did, Ben, it's going to be a pissing contest to see whose dick is bigger. a very succinct way of putting it. Put an image in my brain that will not ever go away. Thank you. Okay, the next question is from Flavia. Do you feel like the Victorian Newman twist was well set up? Let's talk about the boys and foreshadowing when it comes to Victoria. Do you believe she's working with Bot to get soup politicians into a place of absolute power? Okay, Ooh, so... Go for it. I think that Vought got to a point... My working theory is that Vought got to a point where they realized that Stormfront was in danger of being compromised. Either that or that Vought itself was in danger of being compromised. So they set up one of their own pawns as a politician to lead the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Opposition. To lead the opposition, defeat, quote unquote, Vought in some little way, and then gain the love of the people so then Vought has a person who could potentially make it all the way to the White House. Um, I do not for one second believe that Victoria Newman has good intentions. You saw the way she took out Rainer. That was a deliberate act of assassination on behalf of Vought and obviously the disgusting event that was the hearing. Um, I really, really think that Vought created essentially a a puppet opposition the way a fucking, like, fascist government might. And that... So so your theory is that Vought has its fingers in everything? Yes. Like, on all sides of the battle? Everything. I think there are soup politicians, probably more than we know, and I think 
Oh, for sure. And I for think sure. everyone with superpowers that we've seen got them from Vought in one way or another. Even the, the soup terrorists who don't know they're being set up again as puppet opposition, uh, they got their powers from Vought. How else would Victoria Newman gain this ability? That's an interesting arc to, to explore in season three, of course. But I would say based on the evidence we have, I think Newman is part of a bigger team. <laughs> I don't want to say team, but bigger, a, a bigger plot or a bigger group entity, whatever, than, than the show is letting us believe right now. However, I don't think it's Vought, based on the evidence that we have. I think Vought is enemy number one in the eyes of everyone. And I mean, yeah. Newman has to have backing because she's a politician. But Otherwise, she wouldn't be where she is. But the fact that she's a soup, I don't think that Vought would risk that knowledge being exposed right. considering what I they're going I believe you. I'm right just now. saying, again, going back to the fact that the boys is, is satire, is, is comedy about our world. What is more true to our world than corporations buying politicians, you know? Well, okay, in season one, we have the church of um, the, the church of Christ, Christ or whatever, Ezekiel's little capes for Christ. Thank you. The capes mm -hmm. for Christ. And, and then in season two, Christ. we have the church. And right, right, exactly. Basically, uh, mm -hmm. satire of Scientology. Um, both entities were no match for Vaughn. I think we have this Illuminati group or something that Newman's part of that is like beyond, like we may even see that Vaught was not the first ones to create a suit. Um, perhaps, you know, Soldier Boy is not the first, the first yeah. quote the unquote Soldier Boy wouldn't be the first um, because... Stormfront would be the first. Wait, who's saying well, that Stormfront had her powers before? He was Soldier a Nazi Boy. before he allied with the Americans and created Soldier Boy. And Stormfront is a Nazi. Yes, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that Stormfront got her powers before Vought was created. That's true. You're right. I guess that's the company my own was personal created. interpretation. So again, we don't Going back to the question, we don't know exactly yeah. what Stormfront's backstory is. Until we have more definitive evidence of what her backstory is, we yeah. can't say again, how long she's been. We get more flashbacks with her and Soldier Boy that illuminate like the beginnings of Vought. Correct, exactly. Uh, but something I did want to talk about. There is a oh, fantastic moment. Yes. And I realized this while going over my, uh, my thoughts that I, I wanted to, like, collecting myself and sort of going over what I wanted to discuss in this podcast. I rewatched a little, a couple of snippets of season two. And the part in episode one, after Rainer's head explodes, you hear Frenchie say, who do we know that can do this? And then there's an immediate jump cut to Victoria Newman. And yes, yes, I, I am and aware of I that. I did not realize that the first time watching it. I didn't even realize it after we saw Newman. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's one of those things you have to yeah, rewatch, and you're I like, oh, really, shoot. really enjoyed that moment. Okay, this is going to be the last question from Sunrise. Is the BCU an autobiography of the Stephen, I mean, of the Seven, or is it a fictional universe? Okay, so this is kind of like last week when I just threw something out there and was like, here's some food for thought. So is the VCU happening based on real life <laughs> events that are, I mean, obviously in season two, once it's outed, once it's outed that, uh, Queen Maeve is a, yeah. is not straight. Let's just say not straight. Um, we we go into 
a scene where Queen Maeve has to come out in the VCU. Is it an autobiography? Like, are they actually saying, this is how things happen when we were fighting this criminal? Or is it just all for show, something Vought created? Like, it's really hard, hard to determine yeah. what is happening. Because you have the dawn of the seven, but you're like, well, the seven's already existed for so long. So how can you call it the dawn of the seven? If A Train's yeah, supposed to be quote unquote uh, retired. It's interesting because obviously the boys get super meta. Like when you're watching it, a little thing on Amazon pops up that's like stream Starlight on Vodify. Uh, so there's a lot of like show exactly. within a show within a show things. But my thing is that I think they're more like biopics, except propaganda. It's more like how. Kim Jong-un made movies of himself riding a horse and makes all the people in North Korea watch it, you know? Okay, so, so people in, in this mm-hmm. boys universe, because I don't want to say VCU, yeah. people in the boys universe actually believe that everything they're seeing is a, re, is a reenactment or at least oh, close what's enough going, that it can well, what be actually considered happened. like a historical movie, you know? Like how... If that's the case, <laughs> is the soup porn considered part of the VCU? <laughs> Shut up! Because that is actually what I mean, happened. Okay. <laughs> Do you think there's soup porn of Gecko getting his dick chopped off? God. I or Or in the future... If they decide to re remake the soup porn version of Mother's Milk getting wrapped oh, around God, by no. love sausage, <laughs> so so just food for thought is the VCU an autobiography or a fictional universe? You say it's yes, an autobiography. I say it airs more on the side of propaganda, like some some Lenny Reifenstahl shit. <laughs> Okay, okay, I will accept that. Well, I think we definitely not, we haven't run out of topics and just eight talking points that we can go back and forth about. Obviously, the boys encompasses a lot more than just these eight points. Yeah. We haven't even touched on the boys themselves. So, So I think this is definitely going to need a part two when we explore this part two, I'm not sure, yeah. but we should definitely talk about this again. In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed our podcast. Once again, my name is Samrat. We've got Claudia, and thank you, Sophia, for asking the thank questions, you, even though 